frontier gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, frontier gentlemen. Around Dodge City and in the territory out west, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. And now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this morning. OTR And now, here is OTR Well, then let's see what a young Confederate gentleman does about something he don't care for. Go ahead. You're wearing a gun. You can't bluff me, sir. All right, hold it, you two. Oh. Did this little whipper snap off of my back, Marshal, before I shoot? That's enough, Cyberts. I don't want any fighting here. Especially between prospective brothers-in-law. You two ought to be ashamed of yourself. Now, Henry, you go on. Get out of here, huh? Go drink someplace else tonight. I'm not drinking, Marshal. You're still ahead. Get out anyway, huh? All right, sir. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to Gunsmoke. This episode of Gunsmoke comes from 4th of July, 1953, and the episode is entitled Dirt. And I don't know why. (laughs) So you just heard uh, two prospective brothers-in-law going at it back and forth. Can Marshall Dillon keep them separated because the wedding is in two days and... Matt's got to make sure they don't kill each other before the wedding. So enjoy this episode of Gunsmoke, and I'll be back with Frontier Gentlemen. Hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Frontier Gentlemen. This Frontier Gentleman is from July 6th, 1958. The episode is entitled The Education of Kid Yancey. J.B. Kendall is sitting in a barbershop. And he's getting a shave and a haircut in Cheyenne, Wyoming. A group of cowhands have come in off of cattle herding, and they've got money to burn, and they're going to whoop it up. Two young men come into the barbershop where J.B. Kendall is. He will be introduced to them, and one of those that he will be introduced to is a young kid, Yancey. Let's listen. Are you the gentleman who brought in that herd from San Antonio? Us and other boys, yes, sir. Well, I, I wonder if I can talk to you about that. Talk? Ain't nothing much to talk about, mister. We just rub them up, same as we always do, that's all. I'm a newspaper man. I'd like to buy you a drink. Get some material for a story on trail herding. You know, that's a mighty fine idea, ain't it, man? Not for you, it ain't, kid. Oh, man, I swear, one of these days I'm just going to cut out your lights if you don't quit riding line on me. Yeah. There. There you are, mister. That's fine. Uh, thanks very much. Oh, thank you. Next. Uh, I want a real artistic scrape and a proper cut. Uh, kid don't need no shave. Just pluck the wool off him. Yes, sir. So enjoy Gunsmoke and this frontier gentleman, and I'll be back next week. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. 
Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Oh, hello. Hello, Henry. Have a drink? No, thank you, sir. Well, what do you come into a saloon for if you ain't going to drink? No offense, Mr. Seibert. I just don't feel like a drink. Well, man's free to do what he feels like, Henry. Up to a point he is, sir. You're all alike, you southerners. We keep our word. To men and to women. Now, is that what you're here for, to see I don't run off? No man's going to shame my sister, sir. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm going to marry her in two days. Yes, sir. You are. Now, look, Henry. We postponed the wedding last month because I had to go to Abilene on business. I run a big ranch. It takes a lot of hard work and time. And the ranch comes first. Can you get that through your head? I understand. I just hope, for your sake, you don't have to go anywhere this time. Polly wasn't proud having to call off the wedding last well, month. Well, suppose you leave that to me and Polly and keep your puppy nose out of this. I don't care for that remark, Mr. Sabbath. Oh, no? Well, then let's see what a young Confederate gentleman does about something he don't care for. Go ahead. You're wearing a gun. You can't bluff me, sir. All right, hold it, you two. Oh. Get this little whipper snap off of my back, Marshal, before I shoot. That's him. enough, Sabbath. I don't want any fighting here. Especially between prospective brothers-in-law. You two ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Now, Henry, you go on. Get out of here, huh? Go drink someplace else tonight. I'm not drinking, Marshal. You're still ahead. Get out anyway, huh? All right, sir. But don't you forget what I said, Mr. Seibert. Oh, those hot-headed Virginians. I don't know if I ought to marry into a family like that or not. Well, marrying's your problem, Cybert. Just don't kill any of them, that's all. <laughs> Have a drink, Marshal. I got one at the table over there, thanks. Well, later, maybe. Maybe. You sure stopped that just in time, Matt. Yeah. That kid wouldn't have had a chance against Matt Cybert. No. But he'd have tried it anyway. They're going to make a real happy family. Now, they'll get along. Seibert's and Polly, anyhow. They will if Henry and his father give him a chance. It's too bad Mrs. Troyman isn't still alive. Should handle it better. Oh, they're nervous about the wedding. That's all, Kitty. And about Seibert's money. They need it bad. Ah, they used to be rich, Kitty. Back in Virginia. Sure, before the war. What about now? Why do you think they're so happy to be able to marry Polly off to a big rancher like Cybert? You know it as well as I do, Matt. Yeah, except for Polly. I think she's real fond of Cybert. Sure. And he's fond of her, too. After all, she's a woman, isn't she? Yeah, I know. But maybe you'll settle down now and quit running around so much. I hope so, for her sake. 
When's the wedding, Matt? Day after tomorrow? Yeah, that's what they say. You're uh, going, aren't you? Yeah, I suppose I'll go. <laughs> I love weddings. Oh, great heavens, Kitty. I nearly forgot. What? I saw Polly on the street the other day, and she asked me to tell you that you'd be welcome at the wedding if you want to come. She did? <laughs> well, I've only met her at the store and around. It seems she likes you. Anyway, that's what she said. Well, gee, Matt. You think I should? Well, you were invited by the bride. I don't know why not. Well, maybe I better think it over. She's got enough trouble as it is. But anyway, I I feel kind of good, her asking me. They're just people, Kitty. Like anybody else. It's a liar, Matt. <laughs> What's the trouble now, Doc? These eggs. The cook swore they were fresh, and I know darn well they've been put down in water glass. Why don't you raise some chickens, Doc? I would. But it'd just create a whole new class of thieves. Chicken thieves. <laughs> You're in for a bad day, Doc. You started feeling this way. Uh, I'd sooner trust crazy Beulah over there than... Most people I know around here. Uh, crazy Bula? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen her in a long time. You know, it's a funny thing about her, Mad. She's still sort of pretty. Until you look in her eyes, she is. You know, Doc, I can't help feeling sorry for her. Well, I know, but there's nothing anyone can do to help her. No, I guess not. She came to see me a couple of weeks ago. Had the ague. No. And she paid my fee, too. And if Crazy Beulah can pay up, you'd think the more prosperous citizens around here could, too. Oh, I sometimes wonder about these people, man. Really, I do <laughs> Maybe you charge too much, Doc. If I charge nothing, they'd still cheat me somehow. <laughs> uh, good morning, Mr. Dillon. Chester, how are you? Chester. Hey, look here at this. Read it. No. If Nat Seibertz marries that Troyman girl, there'll be a killing. I'm wanting the law to stop it before it's too late. Now, there's no signature. Where'd you get this, Chester? It was under the office door when I opened up this morning. What do you make of it? Uh, let me see it, Matt. Here, Doc. Uh, oh! Oh, it's printed. Thought I might recognize the writing. Now, that's why you printed it, I guess. Uh, well, oh, I see. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in that Seibert's boots. Young Henry is going to shoot him if he doesn't marry Polly. And here somebody is going to shoot him if he does. <laughs> well, all in all, it'll make for a lively tomorrow. Chester, I think we better talk to Seibert's about this. Uh, yes, sir. He's staying at the Dodge house till after when. Yeah, I know. Well, so long, Doc, and uh, be sure and have a pleasant day. Huh? Oh, surely, Matt. <laughs> so long.
Well, Marshal Chester. Oh, Mr. Cybert. I'd like to talk to you, Cybert. Why, sure, Marshal. Come in, come in. Thank you. Uh, Chester found this note at the jail this morning, Cybert. What in the... Who wrote this? And I thought maybe you could tell me. No, I've got no idea, Marshal. Oh, can you think of anybody who doesn't want you to get married, Cybert? <laughs> you was there last night, Marshal. Sure don't look like it. Yeah, I know, but I was thinking of somebody else, some enemy of yours who maybe wants to cause trouble. Uh-oh, no. I've got enemies, sure, what man hasn't, but they don't have nothing to do with me and Polly. What do they care if I get married? Well, say, maybe it's just a joke somebody's playing on you. Mighty poor joke under the circumstances. Yeah, I suppose it would be. <laughs> Old man told me to stay away from women a long time ago. I should have listened to him. It's a little late now, isn't it, Sabitz? Yeah. Uh, if you've got any ideas, let me know, huh? Anyway, we'll be at the wedding. We'll do what we can. And I'll be wearing a gun, too, Marshal. You can count on that. Matt Sybert's was a little wild, maybe, and he had a reputation with the women, but... At the same time, he'd worked hard, and everybody felt that once he settled on, he'd probably be as steady as the next man. In any case, I didn't like the idea of a groom having to wear a six-gun at his wedding, and even less the fact that a shooting might take place in the church. So I went out to see the Troymans. Polly came to the door and ushered me into the front room where her father and Henry were sitting. Can we fetch you something, Marshal? Glass of bourbon? Uh, no, thank you, Mr. Troyman. It wouldn't be very good bourbon, I'm afraid. Prices up, money's down. Things haven't been easy lately. Not for this family, anyway. Please, Father. Uh, Polly, I hate to bother you this way, but... Well, it's important. Nothing's happened to Matt. If he's run off, I'll... Quiet, quiet, Henry. Now, let the marshal speak. No, he, he's all right, Polly, I... I just want to know if you can think of anybody who'd uh, try to put a stop to the wedding tomorrow. Try to stop it? That's right, Henry. But, Marshal, I don't understand. Well, somebody's threatened to, Polly. I don't know who it could be, and neither does Ned Seibert. I talked to him about it, too. This is about a stranger. It sure is. Is this true, Marshal? And it looks that way, Polly. But who'd not want us to get married? Uh, Polly, when you uh, took up with Ned Seibert, was there anyone else who... Might have been jealous about it. Uncommonly jealous, I mean. Enough to start trouble tomorrow. No, Marshal, there wasn't. Say, what about Red Withers? Oh, Red Withers and I broke off two months before that, Henry. Besides, he's gone to Los Animas. And there wasn't anyone else? No. Not unless she was sneaking out at night, like. Father, another word like that out of you and Leave I... Leave a baby to Dad. Uh, Marshal... Have you thought that maybe Nat Seibert himself might have started this? He didn't. How do you know he didn't? He ran out once before. Henry, we... He's not that kind of a man, Henry, that's why. Now, let's not get all upset about this. Uh, Polly, I promise you that Chester and I will be there tomorrow, and we'll see that nothing goes wrong. Thank you, Marshal. I'll be there, too. Don't forget that. Sure, Henry. But don't come wearing a gun. Why not? Because I'll take it off you if you do. You're too ready to use it. Is there anything I can do, Marshal? Well, I'll let you know if there is, Mr. Troyman. 
I'm sorry I had to trouble you with this, Polly. I understand, Marshal, and I thank you kindly. I'll see you to the door. Thanks. Return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, with the arrival of warm weather, people tend to forget their troubles and other people's troubles too. We go off for the pleasures of the beach, the forests, and the countryside. By all means, let's forget the most that life has to give. But let's keep the need of the Red Cross, the continuing need for blood somewhere in our minds. At least once this summer, give a pint through your local chapter. Don't forget, disaster waits on no season. Give blood during the summer, too. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. The next day was the wedding day, and Chester and I waited outside the church till Polly and Nat Syberts had arrived. And we went inside and took up our positions on the far right and the left of the altar, facing the congregation. We were wearing our guns under our coats, and nobody seemed to take much notice of us. As soon as the ceremony began, I had a feeling that nothing would happen. And as it neared the end, I signaled to Chester, and we slipped quietly out to the church entrance. There too had given and pledged their thoughts to other... All I could see in there was a lot of real friendly faces, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Now, there's nobody outside here. It, that's Mr. Cybert's buggy right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He's driving Polly out to the ranch right after the ceremony, Chester. She didn't want a celebration of any kind. Well, it looks like there won't be any trouble after all. I sure hope not. On their wedding day and all. That's over. They'll be coming out now. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll stay close to them till they drive off. It could happen right out here. You know. Yes, sir. I'll watch whichever way you're not watching. <laughs> How will you know which way I'm watching unless you spend your time watching me, Chester? What? Yeah, oh. Well, now, I didn't exactly <laughs> mean to... Oh, looky. Here they come. Oh, my. Don't they look proud. Marshal. Congratulations, Simon. Oh, thank you, Marshal. Uh, let's get over here for a minute, huh? Oh, sure. Well, I guess that warning wasn't much to worry about after all. It looks that way. You got nothing but friends here, as far as Boy, I can see. Well, that sure unsettles a man, though, a note like that. I think you can forget about it now, Cybert. I'll forget it when I find out who wrote it, Marshal. Look, that's what I wanted to ask you. What? If you learn anything about it, let me know. You promise me that? What would you do if I did find out? I'd kill him. That's what I thought. Look, Cybert, you're married now, and you've got more than yourself to think about. 
I'm a peace officer. I'm paid for it. It's my job. And if I find out who wrote that note, I'll run him out of the country. And I'll try to keep you from finding out who it was. I'm not a boy, Marshal. I'm not sure I appreciate your trying to protect me. Well, what about Polly? Polly? Yeah. Yeah. I think I see what you mean, Marshal. <laughs> You're just not used to being married, Cyrus. <laughs> no. But go on. Start getting used to it. Polly's looking for you over there. Thank you, Marshal. Sure. Anything wrong, Mr. Dillon? Not a thing, Chester. Come on, let's see him off. All right, Polly. Up you go, honey. Dylan? What, Chester? Oh, I'm just like an old woman at a wedding. You know, they ought to have more weddings here. Well, if you like them that much, Chester, why don't you do something about it? Well, what could I do? Get married. Huh? Me? Get married? <laughs> well, why not? Oh, now, Mr. Dillon, you know I can't do that. Why well, don't make enough money to keep body and soul together just for me, let alone a wife and a lot of kids and in-laws and all that? My goodness. <laughs> Well, you could start with just a wife. Did you hear that? Yeah. It's down the road Cybert's took. It. Come on, grab a horse. Anybody's horse, Chester. Pardon me. There's the buggy. Just past the bridge. I don't see nobody else. He's up, Chester, so we don't scare the horse. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh. Oh. All right, take a look under the bridge, Chester. All right, sir. Get in the buggy and drive back to docks quick. Yes, sir. All right, j j just give me them lines, Polly. And tell everybody to stay in town. I don't want them messing up the tracks out here. Now, hurry. We'll be there before you know it, Polly. Hold him tight now. As soon as the buggy had gone and the dust had settled, I looked around everywhere but could see no one. Then I walked back and followed Chester's horse tracks down off the wagon road. His were the only marks on that side of the bridge, so I crossed over to the other side. 
And there I found the footprints of what must have been either a child or a woman. They led off in the direction of a small cabin about 300 yards away. And I followed them, gun in hand, at a slow trot. When it was clear that whoever it was had gone straight to the cabin, I left his trail and approached the door from a right angle. Nobody here. Hold it. Oh, you, Marshal. Beulah, come on outside, Beulah, quick. Now, who's in there? Tell me. Nobody, Marshal. Nobody now that I'm out here. You're trapped. Come out with your hands up. What are you yelling for, Marshal? They all got my hands up. See? Get out of the way, Beulah. Get out of the way. Everybody that tells Crazy Beulah to get out of the way. That's what Nat said. Get out of the way, Crazy Beulah. Nat? But they won't say it no more. I fixed him. Beulah, what are you talking about? He wouldn't even look at me on the street after. Then he up and married that Troyman girl. You mean you, Charlotte? I warned you, Marshal. I told you to stop it. I told you what would happen. I told you. Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you stop it? Bill, uh, uh, take it easy now. You believe me, Marshal? What? Take a look in the cabin. By heaven, I will. What's this all about, Beulah? There's nobody in there. Smell my rifle. Well, where is it? Right there by the door. Yeah, it's been fired, all right. Did you really shoot Nat Cybers, Beulah? I want the truth now. Said I would, didn't I? I hate him. But why? Why did you do it? Tell me. No. I won't tell you. I don't have to. Well, it's clear enough that you did it. All right, Bueller, get your things and let's go into town. I don't need nothing, Marshal. I got all dressed up and everything. See? See? Yeah. Yeah, you look fine. I feel better now, Marshal. Now that it's all over. He's dead. I feel a lot better. Give her anything she wants, Chester. See that she's comfortable. Yes, sir, I will. It sure beats all, though, don't it? Yeah. Well, I'm going up to Doc's. Maybe Cyberts can talk now. Well, you better hurry. Paul, I'll be back there in a minute. All right. 
Hello, Matt. How is he, Doc? I can't tell you. But don't worry him out. No. Hello, Cyberts. Marshal. I guess we should have stayed with you a little longer, huh? I don't even know where it came from, Marshal. He was under the bridge there, I guess. Got me right in the back. It wasn't a he, Cyberts. It was a she. A woman? Crazy Beulah. I just locked her up. Well, uh, how do you know it was her, Marshal? I trailed her to her cabin, and she admitted it. She say why she did it? And she said you wouldn't look at her on the street. Told her to get out of the way or something. Doesn't matter much. Unless you want to tell me. Well, just that it... I got drunk one night, Marshal, and she kind of chased after me ever since that. Tried to keep out of her way. I see. Well, what are you going to tell Polly? If I live. If you live. I don't know, Marshal. Might even tell her the truth. <laughs> All right, man. Now, that's enough. Yeah, sure, Doc. So long, Sabbaths. Bye, Marshal. Two days later, Doc announced that Nat Cybers would live. And the next day, they moved him up to the Troyman house where Polly could nurse him. I never did know if he told Polly what it was all about. Maybe he didn't have to. Crazy Beulah never asked about him, never mentioned his name again. For her, it was all over and done with. And then finally, somebody remembered that she had people in St. Louis. And once I located them, I put her on a train and sent her off. She seemed quite happy about the trip. And more normal than I'd ever seen her. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Lawrence Dobkin, Sam Edwards, Joyce McCluskey, Joe Cranston, Elaine Williams, and Pat McGeehan. Polly Bear is Chester, Georgia Ellis is Kitty, and Howard McNear is Doc. Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Beginning next week, Gunsmoke will be heard a half hour earlier over most of these same stations. Remember, Gunsmoke, 
a half hour earlier beginning next week. Every Sunday evening, listen for a new drama of escape at the star's address. This is George Wall speaking. Sunday nights, Dick Powell is rough, tough Richard Diamond, private detective on the CBS radio network. I learned a little about trail herders and a lot more about the education of Kid Yancey. Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an English account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. My friend Carrie Chase of the Cheyenne Daily Press had mentioned to me that a herd of Texas cattle was expected in town, and with it its dozen or so trail drivers. They had followed the Texas trail from San Antonio across those great plains into Oklahoma Territory, Kansas, Nebraska, fording rivers like the Brazos, the Trinity, Red River, the Washita, Cimarron, Arkansas, Smoky Hill, the South Platte, 2,000 animals traveling a 1,000 miles, and 12 men to bring them safely in. The day of their arrival, I was being shaved in a barber shop, one of the several which served the local and transient population of Cheyenne. Suddenly, the mugs and bottles on the barber's shelf began to tremble. The air was shattered with the sound of voices bellowing, shrieking, howling. The hand of Mr. Winters, my barber, began to shake. What is it? Texans. What? Texians. Oh, oh. Yeah, they ain't started shooting up the place yet. Maybe this time they'll let us alone. And... I guess not. Oh. Oh. Mister, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I surely am, but I tell you, when those fellas come to town for a blowout, a shooting and a hollering, it, it boogers the wax right out of me. Do they cause much trouble? trouble. You see them holes in the ceiling? Hmm? A couple of months back, three of them come in here for to get cleaned up. Before they was gone, they drunk up three bottles of liniment, 
emptied out their shooting irons up there. One of them stripped clean naked, poured a dozen bottles of pompadour oil over himself, then got chased down the street by the other two. I never did get paid for one nickel of it. <laughs> I'd like to have seen that. I'll tell you, half a Cheyenne did. He'd tell three women fainted dead away. I'm just hoping ain't none of them going to come in here this trip. Well, I, I should imagine that after a thousand-mile cattle drive, they're rather inclined to let go. Mister, you ain't seen nothing till you seen a Texas cowpuncher letting go. Right now, they'll be up in the saloons, heisting a glass or two, just enough to get the dust out of their throats. And they'll head for the nearest barber and get the wool cleaned up. After that, the real fun starts. Why, some of them boys has got two, three hundred dollars to spend. And it sure don't take them long to do it. Uh, then what happens? Mm, they, maybe two, and they're busted. And they hit the trail for another six months' work till they ride back again. That's the way it goes. I tell you, Nick, first I've got to get me a shave. Oh. Kid, you cut off them straggler feathers of yarn. They ain't never going to see the light of day again. Let them be. Morning, Good oh, morning, Mr. Bossman. Uh, cool your saddles. Won't be but a few minutes. Yeah, well, now we ain't got too much time, mister. We all got to be getting up to the whiskey mill. Now, sit down, kid. You ain't going to no whiskey mill. Oh, now, look out here, Nick. I told you and I was I gonna... told you, boy. Promised your ma I was going to watch out for you, and I ain't going back on it. Ain't going to be no whiskey and no women. Yeah, but this here shy and Nick, why, I heard that I they... I don't matter none what you heard. Uh, you boys been in town long? Nope. We just rode in. Didn't you all hear us going by? We sure was bellering fine and loud, man. You Texas boys? We sure are. Now... Now, now there ain't going to be no trouble in here. Shoot, mister, we don't even make no trouble. Kidding me, we just figured to prettify ourselves. Why, sure. Are you the gentleman who brought in that herd from San Antonio? Us and the other boys, yes, sir. Well, I, I wonder if I can talk to you about that. Talk? Ain't nothing much to talk about, mister. We just rub them up same as we always do, that's all. I'm a newspaper man. I'd like to buy you a drink. Get some material for a story on trail herding. You know, that's a mighty fine idea, ain't it, man? Not for you, it ain't, kid. Oh, man, I swear, one of these days I'm just going to cut out your lights if you don't quit riding the line on me. There. There you are, mister. That's fine. Uh, thanks very much. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Next. Yeah, I want a real artistic scrape and a proper curve. The uh, kid don't need no shave. Just pluck the wool off him. Yes, sir. Um, my name is J.B. Kendall. Howdy. Nick Carmody. That the yearlings, Kid Yancey. Howdy, Kendall. Ain't got a bottle on you, have you, pard? No, no, I'm afraid not. Uh, listen, kid, while you're getting fixed up, uh, I'll waltz on over a store and get me some tobacco. Sure. All right, Nick. You don't go flagging your kite out of here the minute I'm gone, because I got your dinero. You ain't going to get far in this man's town without it. I ain't going nowhere, Nick. All right. Come with me, Kendall? Yes, I'd like to. I'll tell you what it's like when we hit a dry stretch. Get so them cows ain't got no spit left. Like to keel over. But if they smell water, they'll go 20, 30 miles at the trot after it. Which is just what I'm going to do. Except I'll take that drink you was offering. Where's the closest? Uh, Bill's place a few doors down. Hey, man. 
Playing Mother Nellie to the kid can sure give a man thirst. Are you related? No. His ma didn't want him to go. His pa said he should. His pa's the old man down San Antonio. Old man? Owns the outfit. Ah. Told me to keep an eye out for the boy. No drinking, no women. Said they'd break his mother's heart. You ever try riding herd on a snuffy kid that's got a mind to be a man? <laughs> I can't say that I have. And never again. Now give him a word I'd do it, but never again. I'd as soon twist a local bronc. Ah, just one good shot of scamper juice and I'll be a new man. Mr. Comedy's intentions were good, but one good shot led to another, and that was in turn followed by two more. Ten minutes later, the cowhand had discovered that walking was a lost art. Tearfully, he begged me to return to the barbershop and claim his charge. He handed me a pouched handkerchief for safekeeping. In it, he told me, was the savings, some $200, belonging to Kid Yancey. Kendall, I hear the owl hooting high. Somebody's gone and stole my rudder. Oh, I ain't in no condition. Think of the kid's maw, tearing and hollering for a boy who learned bad ways. On account of there ain't no Nick Carmody to set him on the right trail. Ah, you go get him, Kendall. I'll be waiting, waiting right here. Barkeep, another bottle of that nose paint. Ah, oh, now look here. I say, come. You won't even listen to me. Uh, you Comedy. tell him Nick said listen or buy a whiskey. I'll hang up his hide. You tell him that. Yes, but it's really none of my business. Oh, you wouldn't want to see a little calf go straying on this range, would you? We get eaten alive. All right. But you stay here, Comedy. I'll bring him back in two minutes. Yep. Well, yeah, you, you should have been a Texan, mister. I beg your pardon. Well, I'll be Mr. Kendall, honey. Of course, you're you're Millie. That's right, up in Helena. Uh, Big Sam's friend. He used to be friend. Oh? Yeah, after what happened between you and him and the judge putting him in the hooskow, he ain't got no friend no more. He, uh, lost all his money, too. He's not here in Cheyenne. I'll say he ain't. Last I heard, he was mule-skinning for an outfit in Utah. Oh, I swear <laughs> you sure ain't changed a bit, Mr. Campbell, baby. What are you doing in these parts? Oh, still writing. And you, Millie? Oh, well, uh, I got me a job. I, uh, I kind of work here in Phil's place. Ah, I see. Yes, that's, uh... Oh, good Lord, I forgot. There's a young fellow in the barber shop. I've got to bring him back. Oh, gee, well, it, uh, it sure swell seeing you again, Mr. Campbell. And you, Millie? I uh, sure never did think I'd see you again, Mr. Campbell. Uh, Millie, I, I hope you won't think I'm being rude, but... Oh, uh, honey, I, I have... never think you was rude. Now, let you and me go round up that kid. Then you come back and buy me a drink, and we'll talk about old times. Oh, them Texas boys. They sure do love to shoot off them things. Just like he's bad. I'm going to get the law down on you. Uh, I'm recovered while it's killing the West. Now stop it. When I'm hungry, I bite off the noses of live Comanches. I can... <laughs> yeah, howdy, Mr. Kendall. Well, 
Hey. Hey. Howdy, ma'am. Your friend is waiting for you at the saloon. Just, just look at all he's done. Shooting up my place. I, I told you, mister, I told you what they was like. I was just doing some target practice is all. I've got your money here, kid. You better pay for the damage. Oh, sure, sure. How much, mister? Well, I figure five dollars ought to cover it. Uh, here. How much obliged for the wool clipping, mister? Oh, yeah. yeah. Say, uh, ain't you going to introduce me to your friend there, Mr. Kendall? Um, oh, yes. Uh, Millie, this is the kid, uh, Mr. Yancey. Howdy, Mill. What do you say, kid? Well, I heard tell they got some mighty pretty fillers in the north, but I never did reckon on finding anything like you. <laughs> you ain't got a lot of years in you, kid, but you sure learned how to use them talking to a woman. You, um, you, you, you better give me that money to hold for you, kid. I'll give it back to Carmody. Oh, oh there's two hundred dollars in there. I ain't to have myself a time with it. <laughs> two hundred dollars, my. That's a heap of money. Yes, ma'am. Fellow ought to be able to have a heap of fun with it. <laughs> uh, why don't you wait out here? Millie and I'll bring Carmody out. Heck, no. We're all going in. I'll be obliged if y'all take my arm, Miss Millie, ma'am. Why, kid, honey? I'd be honored. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. These are stimulating days in America's history, days when our problems arise from positive and dynamic factors, offering opportunities for still more positive and dynamic growth in their solution. The school shortage problem reflects the rapid increase in population and the ever higher levels of education that every citizen wants for his children. Crowded highways reflect the fact that Americans in general buy more cars, travel widely, and enjoy more leisure. Shortages in housing, in industry, in hospitals reflect our rising standard of living. Great changes bring new needs. New needs create endless new opportunities for work, production, and investment. Opportunities that are open to practically every person in America today. To find out how they may apply to you, get a free booklet full of the facts about our expanding economy. Write to Box 1776, Grand Central Station, New York 17, New York, for the booklet called Your Great Future in a Growing America. That's Box 1776, Grand Central Station, New York 17, New York. And now, we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. We went into Bill's place, Millie and the kid walking a pace ahead of me. They made quite a picture. Millie, as I've described her before, a woman of rather extraordinary proportions. I should guess that she was some five foot ten in height, and suffice to say that her frame was amply covered. Her escort, Kid Yancey, stood five foot eight and a half in his boots, and dripping wet, could have weighed no more than 130 pounds. Millie's arm was linked through the boys in what appeared to be a grip of iron. She had seen the $200 and wasn't about to let it slip away from her. The Kid and Millie found a table... And I brought a thoroughly befuddled Nick Carmody over to join him. 
Here's the text. Your mother could see you now, kid. Here's the text. Dynamite, ain't it? You gotta drink it down fast, kid. Huh? Else you're likely to rot your teeth out. Yeah, kid's got a mother. Sweet gray-haired old lady. Oh, everybody's got a sweet gray-haired old mother, honey. Don't you fret none. I'll take care of him. Just like he was my own kin. <laughs> Millie, you are a wicked woman. Yeah, you watch your language, huh, mister? Ain't no one gonna talk to this here lady like that. Oh, that's all right, kid, honey. Mr. Kendall and me, we're old friends from up Montana territory. I wouldn't drink any more of that if I were you, kid. Oh, now, shoot, Mr. Kendall ain't had but a sup. I figure his time growed up. Why, heck, when we was up in Dodge, all the fellas was painting their noses good. All except me. I had to stay in camp. Same thing every place we went. Well, I reckon things is going to be different now. Ain't that so, ma'am? Oh, jeez. You're a big boy now, kid. I broke my swear to his poor old ma. Drinking and carrying on with women. Oh, now, ain't your fault, Nick. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I'm hungry. You're hungry, ma'am? Well, now you mention it, I don't recollect having had nothing to eat yet this morning. Hey, they got any grub in this place? Why, sure, honey. You tell little Millie what she wants. She'll get it for you. Eggs! How about $20 worth of eggs? How about that, Nick? Yes, sweet old mother crying her eyes out. You, Mr. Kendall? I don't think so, thank you. I'll tell the cook, honey boy. Well, now, ma'am, that's mighty kind of you. Tell the cook how I like my eggs. Why, sure, kid. Don't go away, Mr. Kendall. We'll be right back. Oh, Miss Miller, you sure got the most beautiful smile I ever did. Comedy. Nick. Nick, wake up. Hey. We little gray mother hair. Wake up. As far as I can determine, he's gone off to supervise his eggs. Eggs? Well, what's he doing with eggs? Mm-hmm. Eating them, I could imagine. Oh. I'm a goon. Six years. Six years I've been working for old man Yancey. Now I let his only kid go the way of sin. Whiskey and women. Oh, I'm going to kindle might as well start looking for a new spread. Yancey won't take me back for sure when he finds out. Hey, Nick. Nick. Oh, that's I guess it's the last round. That's trail boss. Where's the kid, Nick? Oh, yeah. He went to get some grub. Thought you had orders to stick close by. You've been drinking. Me? Oh, shuck's dead. Oh, say, it's here's Mr. Kendall. He's a, a newspaper man. Yeah, howdy. Mr. Dudley. Are you sure the kid's all right, Nick? Oh, sure, I'm sure. Why shouldn't he be? He's just going to fix himself some eggs. Well, you watch him, Nick. Because if anything happens, you'll be putting your saddle in the wagon. Oh, I know it, Dad. I surely do know it. So don't you worry. Ain't nothing going to happen to that little boy. No, sir. As to what did happen to that boy, I must take the word of Millie. 
In effect, the following events took place. First of all, Kid Yancey and Millie left Bill's place through the kitchen exit. The kid evidently found that the chaperone was something that he could well dispense with. On their way to the Silver Dollar, he stopped at a street corner and became enthralled with a three-card Monty thrower. A small crowd was gathered around watching this expert card sharp. Here you are, here you are. The ace, the diamonds is the winning card. Here it is. Follow it, gentlemen and lady. Follow it with your eyes as I shuffle. Here it is. And here. And now here. And now here. And now where? The game is simple. You win if you point it out the first try. You lose if you can't. Here it is. Simple. Watch it again. The ace of diamonds is the winning card. Hey, did you see that, Mel? Ah, oh, come on, honey boy. You don't want to play that. It ain't on the level. Just a second. No, 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 it ain't. I saw the ace. I could have picked it right off. I can think of better ways to spend your money. Well, sure. There's plenty of them. Come on. Why don't we go down to the silver dollar, kid, baby? I bet you ain't never drunk champagne, have you? No, I ain't too ill before I'm through and shine. Oh, let's go, honey. He ain't nothing but a shot. All right, in a minute. I gotta watch this fella. Oh, you're gonna make me a real unhappy. I'll bet you. Twenty dollars, huh? I'll bet you. Ah, here's a man with guts. Yes, sir. Put her up. Put it up. All right, now. The ace of diamonds. Here it is. And here. And here. And here. Now, where is it? Right there. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. It's it is there. Uh, sure, that's it. Sure it is. Now, I reckon you pay me $20, huh, mister? Yeah, that, that's right, boy. $20. Uh, maybe you'd like to try it again for, say, 50 Sure, ain't nothing to it. Aw, oh, kid, I bet your ma don't like you gambling. You come along with me now. Yeah, 50 it is. Find the ace. The ace. Here it is, and here, and here, and here, and here. Now, where is it? There, I swear. There. Ha! He got it. Well, I tell you! Shucks, this ain't no more shooting the head off a chicken with a scattergun. <laughs> hey, you all play some more, mister. There's another 50 you owe me. They played some more. And when it was over, the card shop packed up his table and stole away, poorer by some $300. The kid explained to Millie that he had played the game in Texas when he was six years old. And that he always won. It was as simple as that. I didn't see Kid Yancey again for three days, and that was for only a few minutes before Nick Condy and the other men of the trail outfit were about to set off once again for Texas. The kid rode up on his cowpony, looking very tall in the saddle. By his side walked Millie, a very thoughtful, subdued Millie. The trail boss, Devlin, and Nick exchanged a relieved glance. I thought we was going to believe in you and Cheyenne. Not me, Nick. I got to get back to Mom and Pa. Hey, how are you, Mr. Kendall? Real nice of you to come and see us off. Not at all, kid. We were worried about you. Why, shoot, there wasn't nothing to worry about. Was there, Mill? No, there weren't nothing. Well, kid, let's roll the cotton. Come on, boys. Goodbye, Nick. Here. You buy yourself a pretty, huh? You take it easy there, Kendall. And you. A hundred 
dollars. He... He give me a hundred dollars. I'm amazed he had anything left. Oh, he had plenty left, Mr. Kendall. You come buy me a drink. I'll tell you all about it. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Eddie Firestone, Gene Carson, Jack Moyles, Vic Perrin, and Charles Seal. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking.